right, my friends. Well, welcome back to Trekology. Here we are yet again and yet again. Thank you for joining us on our Trek Through Trek. Oh, I need a better <laughs> saying than that. But nonetheless, after this many episodes, you figure we'd come up with more catchphrases. But um, I have not. Who is I, you may ask, uh, if you somehow are just joining us. I is Jeff, and with me always is greg i is greg there you go i is also well excellent i (laughs) jeff how are you doing uh i'm doing all right i'm uh uh hot uh uh, which is is uh, i i guess on one side like no it was at the beginning of the month i think right where they had the three consecutive hottest days in the history of was it the planet or just the united states i don't remember but it was something like that and uh but for us it was like 84 so we really lucked out then so to be complaining now seems privileged i suppose but yeah to be fair it's going to be like 104 today oh really oh i think so and mine has it as 99 air conditioning right uh i mean we have a air conditioning unit um so you can stand right in front of it and then that's pleasant but uh, yeah, the rest we don't have like central air or anything, which which is the dream, right? Central <laughs> air or living closer to uh, the coast, which one of those dreams may be coming true soon. So that will be that will be nice. So that will be nice. Yeah, and maybe you'll have both. Yes. Well, th- that's the nice part is is that you don't need both. Like for me, growing up in Orange County, like I we. We didn't have air conditioning for 30 years, probably. My mom had it installed just about 10 years ago, um, which, you know, I guess they don't like opening the windows anymore. But, uh, yeah, it was <laughs> very rarely, I think, would it crack 93. So, um, yeah. I mean, I guess you could talk about climate change and stuff like that. So maybe it's different than it was 30 years ago, but... Uh, uh still uh i i you know i never had air conditioning in my car never needed it so <sighs> the good old <laughs> days right same thing with orange county or uh, san diego i would say same sort yeah. of thing heat, heat i think san diego is even more temperate than orange county is it depends on the kind like like san diego the city but san diego county i mean if you go inland yeah, far enough otay yeah. mesa gets pretty yeah. deserty and stuff like that but yeah um, that's that's fair yeah but yeah a lot of parts of especially in the city again you get the you get the the ocean breeze so uh, uh, marine it's... layer is always you know a thing so <laughs> so switching gears to the trek world um any uh, any trek world updates i mean again you've been home so you've had time i would assume to uh get ca- caught up I, I read that book, the uh, travel guide to Kronos. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Which was a lot of fun. I okay. would, I would very much recommend this book to other Star Trek fans. Now, is um, it designed to like read? I thought it was it, like a it, reference it book. A lot of information from uh, various other books, not oh. just the in the show. Okay. So. Uh, yeah, it gave me a lot of. I I added a lot of books to my to read list because of this. Interesting. Okay. So, yeah. It was a lot of fun and really gave me some uh, some insight into Klingon culture that I didn't I didn't have before. Huh. So highly recommended. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, did you have you caught up on? Oh, I think I just asked you. You guys haven't started in on Strange New World season two. No, we ha- still haven't done season two because we're waiting. We'd like to watch it together, but okay. I just don't know how practical that's going to be. 
Okay. Um, okay. We're talking lower decks today. Yep. And so I have been watching a lot of lower decks just okay. because you can't just watch one. Interesting. It's so much fun. Well, and they're nice and short. They're you know only twenty four yeah, minutes. Only so half an hour. And and I really want to see Strange New Worlds because it has the lower decks crossover episode. Oh, okay. They're talking about at uh, maybe they said it at Comic Con or something, but there's a musical episode coming up, I guess. So can't wait for that. I'm a little nervous, but uh, <laughs> we'll see. Because well, when the, has a musical episode ever gone wrong? Well, when has the <laughs> when has there been a musical episode in Star Trek? Like as far as I'm aware, unless Discovery or Picard. Oh, that makes me shudder right there. Uh, thinking about that, but uh, when they've I don't know. Yeah, when they've gone too far into the silly, I feel like that has not gone well. Uh, especially thinking about, although people seem to love, do they actually love Cupid, the episode, or is it more just like memeable? Because it's not a great episode. The one where Picard, like uh, Q turns them all into like Robin Hood, that is not yeah. a good episode. Uh, it's silly, it's but sure. it's exactly, exactly. It's memorable and memeable, but it's not a quality production, I wouldn't say. Well, mm-hmm. production, it's not quality Star Trek, I would say. Along those lines, I would give actually two things because we have started in, and so I won't give you any spoilers or anything for uh, Strange New Worlds. But my two observations thus far, which uh, there is a couple of that I'm going to be interested to pick your brain uh, uh, about, um, is one, it kind of feels like they're, they're alternating every other episode where one episode is like, feels like this is a not quite a retread where it feels like, but it, it feels like this is an original series episode like it's 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 literally just like this i can picture kirk and all of those you know crew doing this exact same uh uh situation and premise um and then they'll do a very new fangled whatever episode so like the two that i just watched um one was a time travel episode where they travel back in time that felt very new that felt like a new style of storytelling and premise whereas then the the following episode was like uh uh you know a uh, uh, civilization has been contaminated and so they need to go down and fix the contamination that mm. felt very original series to me and and so that's it's interesting that it's again i i don't necessarily have a complaint about that but that's just an interesting uh formula i'm going to be interested to see if it continues or if other people have picked up on that uh, but I wonder the, if they're doing that pur- purposefully. Yeah, yeah. Or or maybe it's not even that, like, formulaic. It's not necessarily every other episode, but it is, like, a, mi- a mix of the two. Because I don't know if I got that specific vibe from the first season. Yeah. But my one issue that I'm... And I feel like this might be just kind of modern, like, 2023 storytelling... Is that, so each episode is somewhere around 54 to 56 minutes or so. Some of the longer ones will go all the way up to like 61 or 2. And for me, so like when you think about like a uh, uh, Golden Age or whatever we call Next Generation, DS9 and Voyager uh, and even Enterprise, uh, those are all 42 minutes. So, you know, with the commercials taken out, make it 60 minutes or added back in or whatever. Um, and to me, that extra 10 to 12 minutes a lot of times feels unnecessary. 
Like in some episodes, it kind of feels like, well, we got to fill another 12 minutes. What do we do? Like, let's just slap another storyline on here that's somewhat unnecessary. And for me, sometimes it feels bloated. It feels like you didn't need, you didn't need 12 more minutes. Uh, Mm -hmm. And that's, it makes me think, and uh, my wife and I were talking about like um, uh, uh, Martin Scorsese movies these days are all four hours long. And it's just like, it kind of feels like he's like, you know what? I can do a four-hour movie because no one cares anymore. So I have no reason to edit or to trim or to, like, cut out the fat. Leave all the fat in there because it can be four hours long. And it's just somewhat of it almost feels lazy where it's like, is it better storytelling or is it just lazier storytelling? Yeah. My my brother, in defiance of everything, this or last weekend instead of seeing Oppenheimer instead of seeing Barbie he went to see the new possible movie okay well that's not too much of a defiance but okay (laughs) but it's something like three hours long or something is it really and it's I just I writers don't know how to write anymore I think (laughs) (laughs) and this is part one and uh, Mission Impossible 5 right you know whatever the title is yeah is this five part now? one <laughs> yeah but nonetheless you're right you're right so it's definitely uh one of two and so i don't know i don't know but i mean like you know as long as it makes a billion dollars that's uh that's all that they really care about so uh yeah well, i mean somebody all cares about but me me on my podcast us on our podcast we can care right uh, that's right yes in fact movies can be made in 26 minutes, like the episode we're talking about today. There you, oh, there you go. Okay, that's true. That's How's true. How's that for a uh, a segue? Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, along those lines, my friends, then we are diving in to uh, talk to our two episode arc of Lower Decks, which uh, I confess, like I have never seen a single episode of Lower Decks. Uh, while I was waiting for uh, 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 for you, Greg, to tell me which episode we were going to do, I decided just to start with episode one. Uh, so I watched the first five minutes of episode one uh, before diving into the episode that we're talking about today. That, that was the interesting thing with Lower Decks is usually when I'm watching Star Trek, uh, and we've kind of lamented this over the, the, uh, the podcast, Star Trek is kind of a tough sell for kids because... Uh, there's a lot of standing around and talking, even because like of the low budgets and stuff like that. There's not a lot of gratuitous, unlike in this episode, uh, starships flying around and doing stuff and all that sort of stuff. Um, but uh, this one, when I put on Lower Decks, it is animated. And anything that is animated is instantly going to be a draw to my children. So when I put <laughs> this on, my children were like, what is this? I love Star Trek. So... I don't know that Lower Decks is necessarily their best intro, but... Uh, it's not appropriate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... it's le- Well, let's be real. Like, they're all watching Star Wars, and Star Wars isn't appropriate, but they watch it anyway. Uh, <laughs> so this one in particular did have uh, a little bit of gratuitous violence. Uh, they had the one uh, uh, Bajoran guy, like, explode into guts and goo. Uh, so that was not ideal. And but, they pick up um, the ear. Yes. I don't, the think, earring. <laughs> I don't think the kids knew what that was. So that, I wasn't <laughs> able to explain it. So um, so anyway, for the rest of you, if you... 
attached. Yeah. If you haven't watched Lower Decks, you know Lower Decks is uh, not quite a spoof because it's supposed to actually be real as far as I can tell. It's canon. Yeah. And canon. Um, yeah. Um, but it, you know, it follows these, uh, I think four, right? These four mm -hmm. characters that are Lower Decks characters. So they're not uh, bridge staff. They're kind of like lower functionaries and uh, talks about their experiences. So from a humorous perspective, so they view a lot of, you know, what, um, uh, what, what's going on from like with a, with a tongue in cheek sort of a thing. And right. even, uh, I don't remember if it was the first episode. No, it was this episode, uh, where they talk about like, um, uh, they're going to go do fix up some mess or something like that. And one of the, the characters even says, normally this is where we would send the enterprise or something <laughs> like that. And it's just kind of like the Cerritos is definitely a lower tier sort of a, yeah. um, the California class ships do the more boring stuff. In right. Starfleet. They do. A, a lot of their missions are second contact, second contact. filling out paperwork and stuff like right. that. Right. <laughs> so it, it is, it's, it's, you know, again, kind of like the tongue in cheek from what I can tell. Um, and, uh, from what I can glean, and, and the nice part is too, is it didn't seem like there's necessarily an ongoing storyline. So I didn't feel like we picked up uh, episode, what was this, six? Eight? This was nine. Nine, okay. Um, so it didn't feel like I was lost or like there was this ongoing storyline. I mean, each of the characters had a little bit of backstory, but that was relatively easy for me to pick up on. Uh, but was basically that the one character, uh, 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 Mariner, she is the captain's daughter and apparently she's always like uh screwing up and stuff like that and the captain is is hard on her so uh the the counselor says that she needs to go to therapy and instead of doing therapy she goes to the holodeck and kind of creates this whole movie where she's going to get revenge on her mom uh and so she goes and like this band of uh what do they call themselves uh well, I don't know what they call themselves, but the engineer keeps calling them like random marauders or something like that. <laughs> so they like take over and they, well, especially Mariner, basically like single-handedly kills about everybody on the ship uh, trying to get to uh, the captain, her mom. Uh, then they have this whole kind of battle and then her digital version of herself uh, ends up fighting. And then that's, I guess, where she kind of comes to to grips with uh, some of the stuff that she was uh, wrestling with. Meanwhile, the one character that actually created the program, uh, Boy Boimler, is that his name? Boimler, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's, um, he's just trying to figure out how he can do an interview uh, to try and join this program, but he needs to do an interview with the, the captain, and so he's trying to, like, kiss up the whole time, and that's, uh, that's kind of a subplot, I guess. Um, uh, yeah, as it's going on. Uh, did that? Did that? Did that kind of do it justice, at least as far as the plot is concerned? Yes, that's a very accurate description. Excellent. And the the whole thing, this episode is shot like a Star Trek movie. Right. Right. And what one thing that I this is, I think this is probably my favorite Lower Decks episode. Okay. Um, because they do such a good job in mimicking a Star Trek movie hmm. in half an hour. <laughs> they, I mean, all of it's there. The the long, loving camera caresses of the ship as they're coming up to it. Uh -huh. the, um, the random, you know, villain that shows up. 
the the uh, set piece where they they they're talking to the admiral admiral about something strange happening. It's they do such a good job. I mean, even the saucer section crashes on a planet. Hmm. And the best Star Trek movies have the saucer section crashing onto a planet, or at isn't, least separating. Isn't that only one? Yeah. That only happens one time, doesn't it? Yeah. Oh, okay. But that was a very memorable <laughs> moment for you. Yes. That, <laughs> in, my, in my childhood, that was the coolest thing. Okay. Okay. So, Fair enough. But yeah, I, I think they do such a good job in, in getting the whole feel of a Star Trek movie mm. and squeezing it into half an hour. Hmm. Okay. What, now, what did you think about that? What did you think about that? That, um, in particular, about the Star Trek movie feel. Yeah. So. I mean, I don't know that I picked up quite as much as uh, uh, as you did. Uh, I mean, like the one, like you said, the the one scene where they were, you know, going to the ship was very obvious, uh, and it was tough too because like the joke is obviously from. Uh, Star Trek One, where they do they you know they have like a I don't know six minute segment. It feels like where Kirk <laughs> is just like you know staring at the Enterprise, and it's not just Kirk; it's all of us. Like we had never seen the Enterprise on the big screen, and so blah 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 blah. So they really do it, and then the the engineer has tears in his eyes and just stuff like that. And the the bummer is like, and that's the the the, the I guess the the point that they're making and the joke that they're making is that was a very long drawn out boring part of the movie and so it's a long drawn out boring part of this episode so it's kind of like you you got to do that to tell that joke but like it's i don't know it's it's so it's such a, a, a tricky one i think um pacing wise uh-huh yeah the other references again i, I don't know that i picked up I, I did notice like at the end they did the whole like uh signing their names thing um and then they did like even well they did like opening credits that uh kept uh, uh hitting the one guy in the head and stuff and um <laughs> yeah 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 so i mean yeah, again it, it was did it you, was did you notice that they put a film filter over the whole thing yeah or at least the and some crackles you know with the film with the film oh look. i don't know if i noticed that i knew that it, they did like the uh, widescreen yeah. thing that even that was kind of cool when she like uh, the one Orion gal like uh, called for the arch and left. Uh, those disappeared because she was going yeah. into the real world. So that was kind of cool that they had kind of that attention to detail. So. So what did you think of the episode? This being your first Lower Decks episode. The issue that I was having as the episode was going on is that this. So so basically, you know, like uh, someone is the problem with the holodeck itself, where it's just like, how real is this? Like, because you're real. Uh, it made me think, and maybe I've told this story before. My 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 buddy Adam, uh, who for for all intents and purposes is a fairly not out there kind of a guy. He's kind of wacky, but he's certainly not. You know, um, we played Dungeons and Dragons with him one time, one time. Uh, and he chose a character that was mentally unhinged. And he, we saw a side of him that 
terrified us. Like, literally the things, because that's the thing about, you know, role-playing is you're just kind of making stuff up out of your own imagination. So he, like, he decapitated a child at one point uh, and carried this child's head in his bucket. He, uh, he exactly, he, like, uh, peeled the skin off someone and wore it like a suit. And we were, it was like a horror movie. I'm like, how are you imagining these things? Like, that's genuinely concerning because we don't see that in your regular life. So for me, it was some of that where it was, so you have this character who, you're, or, you know, she's makes up this movie so she can play out this fantasy. And in her fantasy, she butchers like every person on the Enterprise. Yeah. She's killing person after person after person. Yes. She blows up this one character and, um, and then like is like laughing about it. And for me, I'm kind of like, I don't, I mean, again, I haven't watched this show up until now, but I'm like, this character is a psychopath. And this character, like, should, like, forget about the brig. This person should be in a penal colony where it's like they have this in them to be a mass murderer. Now, I don't know that we always see, I mean, again, does that mean that my friend Adam has it in him to be, a, you know, like a, 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 yeah, a murderer as well? I guess not. I guess there's some level of, like, in the pretend world, you can pretend and it's not real. But I don't know. I struggle with that because for me, whenever I do, like, a, like if I'm going to do a video game, for example, I usually play the video game as if it's me, as if I'm the one. So if it's a choice where I'm playing this knight and I can either choose to, like, you know, ignore this person crying out for help or go and help them, I'm always going to go and help them because that's what I would do in that situation. But as opposed to some people that would be like, I'm going to chop their head off. Like, I don't know. Does that mean that they would really chop their head off? I guess not. But doesn't that have like really in a role playing game like yeah. Skyrim or something, doesn't that make its replay value really, really low? Yes. Yes, it does. Because I, I, and I've tried, like, some of them, I go through it and I play it a second time as a bad guy. I can't do it. I don't, it just makes, it creeps me out. Huh. So, again, maybe that's just me. It's interesting because games like Skyrim, you know, and, and I mean, Skyrim has a VR version now. So, yeah. like, almost holodeck. <laughs> it, um, there, there is so much nuance in how you play that game. Mm-hmm. You know that you can you can still be a good guy, but like different types of good that's guys. true. That's true. But you you if you play it like you're making the decisions every time instead of being part of the story or part of you know or writing like your own story in the game. Yeah, which is what I love about role playing games. It's a very different way from how I've always played these games hmm. because it, it to me. Uh, you know spoiler alerts for a game that's like 15 years old right but it's you know becoming the dragon having like a argonian become the dragon lord or dragonborn okay after you know coming up from the slums and um in uh windhelm you know is is an interesting story to me as is a totally different story of like a breton thief you mm. know who's run away from his family and is, you know, trying to make a new life here in Skyrim. It's, you know, every time you play that game, you write a new story in that world, which I think is 
the reason, I mean, why I have hundreds of hours in that game. Hmm. Hundreds and hundreds. <laughs> so in this particular episode, though, so do you hold it against Mariner that she kills all of these crew members? No, actually. Okay. I, I, You know, okay, two things. A lot of it is played for, like, uncomfortable laughs. Hmm. You know, it, the show is a comedy. Okay. You know, and admittedly, I do have a dark sense of humor. <laughs> okay. Um, Two, Mariner, she shows herself to be actually a good officer um, during the rest of the show, but she was angry and she took it out on some virtual people. Hmm. And I don't know if you've ever come home from a hard day at work or something and loaded up a, you know, a, a first-person shooter just so that maybe you could take out a little bit of your anger. Hmm. And, in a way that doesn't actually hurt anybody. Huh. Um, now, granted, she was, like, killing her friends. Right. But, eh, huh. I, I don't know. I think, especially she's in a place where she's very frustrated. I, I don't know that. It, it, I, I don't hold it against her. Interesting. It's, it's, it's virtual. It's play. So now how is it different then? Because for me, and I don't quite remember how they react. I, I felt like they didn't react enough, I guess, in the Next Generation episode where we found that Barkley had created the entire crew so that he could have a love affair with uh, uh, Counselor Troy. And that felt like an invasion. Now, Ooh, is that... That's a good point. I how do the two of these connect? That. Or then even a third one, which is maybe, like, that was seen as an invasion, is there was, what was it? It was, uh, oh, shoot, what's his name? That ends up playing Wayun in DS9. Um, and then uh, what's his name in uh, 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 Shran or whatever in Enterprise? Uh, Jeffrey Combs. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of his first characters, he was some, like, wealthy trader alien that was obsessed with Major Kira. And so he paid Quark to build him yeah. a holodeck program so that he could have an affair with Kira. Uh, and Kira caught Quark, and then, you know, it was a whole thing. And, um, and that was definitely seen as an invasion, to try and, like, take a hollow image of somebody without their permission. So yeah. and how does that... that with the entire crew... right. Right. And then, but in the one of the later scenes, Mariner, when Mariner sees herself, she, she does say something. She does reference yes. that a little bit. That idea. She says something like, "Not cool." Yes. You know. Right. That's Which is ironic that she didn't have a problem with everybody else. Right. But, but and that's but the, I think the that, joke too. That's purposeful. Yeah. Exactly. That's part of the character. Exactly. So is the invasion? I mean, is it all an invasion? Is it the 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 reproduction of people? Um, or, and then is it like, again, are these just virtual people or is there some level of uh, violation, I guess? Um, I guess, which even to put myself on the line, like there, and, and in hindsight, was this healthy for me emotionally or uh, mentally? Probably not. Uh, but I know there were definitely times where I recreated people that I knew in The Sims 
Uh, and I didn't, you know, you can't create what they do, but you just create what they look like. And to create different people in The Sims and then simulate living like, oh, I guess I get married to so-and-so or, or, or whatever. Um, and if I just click on uh, interact enough times, they're going to fall in love with me or, or something like that. So I don't know what level of that is appropriate. The person that you recreated in The Sims, yeah. if they saw that, yeah. they would probably be uncomfortable with that. Exactly. And the same thing for Boimler and for Mariner. Well, that's the other part. Like, if if uh, I wonder if uh, Mariner's mom had watched that and watched her kill all of the crew, if she would be as okay with it. Right. I don't know. But that's then. An- Interesting question. That's yeah. a that's a very interesting question. Now, when Adam was like chopping off heads and everything, yes, I mean he wasn't chopping off your head and putting it in a bucket, like my character's head. Yeah, no, I think so, he was scared of my character, if I recall. But that was a different story. Um, <laughs> but if he had. Would you hold it again? No, because you're both willingly playing the game. I yeah, guess I mean, because the tough part, and that's the thing, even talking to Adam afterwards, is for him, it, there's a disconnect. This is not real. This is my opportunity, not necessarily to like, I've always wanted to chop someone's head off, but I'm never going to do that, so I can do it and pretend. And more, this is just like, I'm not taking this seriously, right. I guess is the thing. And the less yeah. serious you take it, the more like, you know, this really doesn't matter, so you can just do whatever the heck you want. Like driving the wrong way in a driving game, you know? This yeah. really doesn't matter, so I'm just going to drive the wrong way. Like, I'm not going to get hurt or anything like that. So, yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. That's a that's a very interesting question about, like, consent, almost. Yeah. yeah. I mean, to be killed in a holodeck. I don't know. How would you feel if I if I made a holodeck recreation and of, I don't know, our us yeah and i told you i'd have some serious questions i'd have some serious questions like in in any scenario like like even if like like best case scenario because i've done this in my brain and now there's the other question is that what if it's not is does technology change something as opposed to just our own imagination i have definitely especially in situations that i may be nervous I will like role play in my brain how I think this is going to go based on what I know of the person. This is what I'm going to say. And this is what I expect their response to be. And then I will respond this way. And then they will respond this way. And I kind of play it out in my mind Um, that like at some point that's, you know, that's not a violation. No, but you're not, you're also not doing anything untoward. Like, I mean, what if you're imagining killing them? Right. That that would be weird, right? Right. Like if you're saying they're imagining killing me. Yeah. Yeah. That would be weird. I have not done that up to now. Not that I'm doing it right now. I'm trying, <laughs> but it's not it's not it's not a natural occurrence for right. me. Now that you bring it now up. Now that I bring it up, if I was just <laughs> driving my car, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well and again, and that's what that's again going back to the Adam thing. That's what's so uh uh and maybe that's where again there's different lines between the different forms of fantasy i guess um how seriously we take it and and what it actually means and it might mean something different to different people would be my guess um 
there's also a difference between like something sexual and something violent hmm. for some why is that which one know. is one worse than the other yeah for some reason it seems like it would be really very much a violation if you made a holodeck simulation of somebody you knew yeah so that you could have sex with them as opposed to so you could murder them yeah fascinating weirdly. yeah i wonder and that, that's probably just some society like because i think as a society we think sex is worse than violence yeah, I think, well, that, that was part of it. I was thinking about that. It was the same thing I know uh, George R. R. Martin was saying about Game of Thrones. Is He said, why are we so, like, we're okay with someone watching someone getting their head chopped off, but watching, like, you know, a naked woman walk around, like, oh, slow down here. And, right. and why, yeah, why is one so much worse than the other? Just even thinking about, like, like rape versus murder. Now, neither are good. Uh, and to some extent, I mean... Are we slipping into big sin, little sin sort of a thing? Where it's just like, which one's better, rape or murder? Well, like, why? <laughs> Neither <laughs> doesn't make either good. Emotionally, it does feel like there's a difference. It's odd, but true. And I wonder, I wonder how common that this is, because I think that it's definitely true in the United States and our culture here. But I wonder how true it is elsewhere in the yeah. world. If well, they also think of sex as worse than murder. I don't think so. Because, like, from what I hear, and I remember when I've traveled in, uh, like, Europe, uh, or especially, like, in, uh, I guess we've, I have, I've really only been into, like, uh, Great Britain, but um, they'll have, just on, like, their cable television or whatever, they'll, they'll have, like, nudity on there. Uh, that is uh, acceptable, you know? You just flip onto a channel and, like, oh, look, there's some naked people or something like that. Like, it feels like their uh, bar for sexuality is much higher than ours is. Um, which is curious because I don't know. I mean, we, at least as Americans always kind of see ourselves as like, we're the wild and free wild West ones. Right. Like, um, and I don't know that that's how the rest of the world, at least Europe compared to Europe, uh, functions. Hmm. Well, now I'm rethinking all of Mariner's actions here. Okay. Okay. Although she was, she was called out for it. Kind of like at least lightly called out for it. Right. Like, this is weird. And I you know, think... And Tendi does tend to be the voice of okay. reason and morality in the show. Yeah. And I think you're right that, like, the tone of the show is supposed to be tongue-in-cheek. Like, you're you're not supposed to take this as seriously as Barkley and Next Generation. Like, just the tone is supposed to be different. And, right. And uh, the fact that she's laughing while she's vaporizing all of these people, like, is not supposed to be you're not supposed to take it as sinister as if imagining Lieutenant Barkley laughing while he's vaporizing, you know, uh, Riker and <laughs> Troy and stuff like that. Oh, oh, that would be terrifying. And that's not the same emotional uh, uh, thing that it's supposed to be. And maybe even the fact that she decided to do this as a movie as opposed to doing it as uh, a, just a regular simulation. Like uh -huh. that even added an extra layer of... Um, uh, pretendness to it, I guess. Um, huh. Interesting. I, I guess I hadn't really thought about that before. Hmm. One, one thing that definitely struck me, I think both of us, is the fact that like the overall theme of this episode is supposed to be around therapy. It's supposed to be that Mariner is told she needs therapy, and that's kind of why she says this is her therapy or whatever. 
And um, I did think it was interesting to think about, like, would this be... Because her landing point is, well, there you go. That was the best possible therapy I could have gotten. And I have a feeling a lot of people, whether informed or uninformed, might agree. They're like, yeah, that would be great therapy. Like, would it? Visceral, yeah. Well, like I was talking about, you know, coming home from a tough day and then, like, loading up the computer so I can go shoot some people. Right. Is that good? No, that's not. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, so, like, I always wonder. So, like, so, like, uh, you know, my daughter's three. And so she has uh, some. it's difficult containing knowing to do with her emotions sometimes like they're new and uh, she'll get very angry and not know how to do it. And uh, so the solution has been in past to kind of say like, uh, like you can punch a pillow and I always wonder, and I mean, granted because it's like, I want you to punch a pillow instead of punching your brother. So that seems like a better solution. Um, But at least for me as an adult, I don't know that punching a pillow actually makes me feel better. It's not like, oh, I've punched a pillow. I got it out of me. Like, I don't know that that's how I feel. I kind of like punching leads to more punching. And it's 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 almost like giving in to the anger for me. And uh, again, I, I don't know if that's just me. That's just the way that I react to anger. But I don't know if getting it out is, I don't know. Uh, again, I'm not a therapist, so I don't know if that's the proper way to deal with it now what what do you do when you get angry so usually it's more i mean (laughs) uh, i love me some daniel tiger so uh when in doubt mr rogers and daniel tiger always uh, his a little song that's when you feel so mad that you want to roar take a deep breath and count to four and uh it's usually more than just one deep breath and counting to four but i do find like that is traditionally the best solution for me uh time is that um the choice to right now i am angry and i want to react out of my anger and that is a bad choice i need to wait until my anger dissipates so i can think about it more clearly and that for me has been the best like there's plenty of car rides you know where i'm angry at my wife and I want to say something right then and there. And it's just like, wait, bad choice. Like, let's yeah. just sit. And for me, at least, the posture of sitting and waiting does not take very long. Uh, the, the moment that I'm able to kind of start critically thinking about, you know, what's going on inside of me usually happens relatively quickly. Um, and that, yeah, it, it always seems like a better choice than reacting doing anything with the anger itself. Mm. How about you? So I, I mean, I I have terrible self-awareness, first of all. (laughs) So I, I, a lot of times I don't even realize how angry I am until somebody points it out to me. What I do a lot is I just, I chew on my anger. I just take it and I just keep it and I mull it over and Mm. I keep thinking about it and thinking about it and looking at it this way and looking at it that way and just keeping it and like looking at it and thinking about how mad it makes me. Mm. Um, But yeah, that's, that's a, that's a problem, right? That's not, that's not a good way to handle it. Right. In my best times, I'm able to like 
think, okay, you're obviously very upset about this. This has made you more angry than you thought it did. You know, this is not something that you're just able to brush off. So what I do a lot is I sequester myself. Okay. <laughs> angry read. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. You know, I, I will play a video game or mostly I'll read, um, pray a little, you know. Well, what helps me hmm. is to get some distance from it and then come back to it and look at it again. So, like, get some distance from it and then I'm able to come back and... Sure and see what what about this is making yeah. me angry and what what can i do from this point because i mean it's most of the time mm. it's people that make you angry you know it's sometimes it's events but mostly it's people and my hmm. my goal when i'm in a good place is how can I reconcile this relationship? You know, what can I do to um, to bring this back? Hmm. You know, to bring this back to to where I want it to be, to to keep this relationship good. Now, a big part of learning about myself and in professional therapy has been to recognize when I have negative feelings, mm. which doesn't, for some reason, just does not come naturally to me. Yeah, and just mm. being able to, to see those negative feelings and recognize them so that I'm able to handle them into, in a more appropriate way instead of just like snapping at people and um, spontaneously bursting into tears which is something that I do a lot. <laughs> so, um, yeah, just that, that's, that's, it's been a journey. <laughs> it's been a journey. <laughs> well, it's been interesting for me because that, that's the other part too. I, I think, and again, I, I don't know the science and stuff like that, but I, I have a hunch there's some level of genetics involved because like, uh, like my, uh, I know my dad, like my dad struggled with anger. He went through some level of uh, counseling or something like that at some point where he learned different techniques for dealing with anger and, and, and stuff like that. Uh, but definitely seeing that, you know, in myself and just the ways that I um, uh, react and, and, and things. Uh, and I think some of the challenge, too, is that at least for me, like I feel like anger itself is not a bad thing. Like anger is a reaction. Anger is an emotion. It's something that your body is doing in reaction to something like almost like, you know, recognizing something that's not the way that it's supposed to be. Uh, you could even call it injustice uh, if you want to use a, like a loftier term or something like that. This is not the way that something is supposed to be. Uh, and then I have anger. And that's that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but for me, like like you were talking about, uh, I know that that's, that's definitely been a... Uh, I guess a realization for me is that almost invariably there comes a moment 
where I, 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 I find myself with a conscious choice to hold on to the anger or to release it. And uh, invariably, like it's, it's, it's always that, um, the, that voice that's kind of saying, yeah, but, you know, like, you know, like, could I let this anger go? Yeah, but, you know, like, you don't know what they did to me. Or, uh, like, th they don't, like, they, 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 they need to know how badly they hurt me. Or, um, like, they need to, even sometimes, like, no, they need to, um, uh, they need to be punished or they need to suffer or whatever. Uh, um, and that me holding on to my anger somehow, um, you know, writes the scales a little bit or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, that moment, like that's a, that's a, that's, that's, that's kind of a powerful moment. And don't get me wrong. I don't always win that argument. Um, but to be able to say like, I don't have to, hold on to that anger. Like I can let this go right now. Um, and that's, that's, again, that's a challenge because all of those other objections come up. Uh, but being like, I am, I don't know, stronger than my anger. That seems weird to say, but like I have control over it, I guess, as opposed to I'm letting my anger control me. I think that's a, um, yeah, at least for me, that's been a, that's been a key, uh, uh, a key element. Cause that's the one thing. And that's the one thing too, that uh, like for me is a, uh, maybe not a fear, but definitely a, an awareness is anger and my children, uh, is that children definitely know. And if they don't now, they're going to learn even better by the time they're teenagers, children know how to make their parents angry. And the challenge is always anything that I do towards them out of anger is not going to go well. Yeah. And in so many ways. And I mean, ideally, I don't want to do any, I don't want to interact with my children out of anger, period. Um, but that's almost an impossible task because it's going to happen. So it's like, how do I best um, separate that? How do I best not, again, react out of anger? And, and some of the nice things, you know, I think in parenting, you have certain um, rules, I guess, uh, that like, if you do this, then this is the result. Uh, and I think that can take some of the anger out of it where it's just like my emotion doesn't matter because this is what we already agreed to or whatever. So I'm just going to follow that pattern rather than having an emotional response. Um, but yeah, that's again, that's always a, um, uh, a thought of mine is that that's, that's, uh, I think that's when parenting definitely goes wrong. Right. Yeah. And you know, we're, we're so often angered by things outside our, our, you know, even what's going on in our family. You know, we might be angry about, I don't know, uh, traffic. Yeah. And you get home and then your kid does one thing <laughs> right. that usually does not, you know, is is upsetting, but usually doesn't cause you to fly off the handle. But you get so mad at them. Right. Or something and it you know they're not trying to make you angry like they will be doing in 10 years <laughs> right. they, they 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 are doing something that maybe they're not supposed to do yeah but your your reaction so your reaction is so out of proportion proportion to this event that it's um it's confusing to the kid yep and you're going to do something that you're probably going to regret. <laughs> right. It's, yeah, like make, 
I, I don't know how often this has happened to you, but make rules that you can't possibly enforce. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And because you're not you're not thinking straight, right? Right. So I mean, honestly, real therapy, not just like playing video games, which is kind of what Mariner's doing here. Right. You know, is is really helpful for understanding your emotions, for understanding how um why we react the way that we do to the world and i i mean i i've i that that is the best thing that i've learned in therapy mm. it's it's just it's been so helpful for that yeah. you know that alone yeah and i mean it, it's like you brought up with your dad the meme is you know it's because of your parents, right? Sure, sure, yeah. It is, but <laughs> I mean, our parents have such a a big impact on right. how we are as people, as adults. Do you see that too? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, again, not only it's like nature and nurture, right? That not only do you have their genetics. I mean, literally every part of you came from them. Like you're, you know, those chromosomes. Um, but also, you know, they raised you like for the most part, like, uh, uh, yeah, with, uh, modeled how to do things, how to react to things. Um, uh -huh. the default for a lot of stuff is kind of what you saw before. And, um, but it is, it is that nice thing. Like you're saying, I think that's for me, that's, uh, uh again, not, I, I haven't actually experienced like, uh, professional therapy, um, but uh, I, I definitely value self-awareness. And the more I know about myself, uh, I think that's one of the big things is that, yes, you can say that uh, the reason I react to certain things are because my parents did it and because of my biology and, the, you know, they taught me to do this and blah, 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 blah. But once you know that, now it's your choice. Now the next time you now have free will. You don't have to do the same thing you saw your parents do once you're aware of it. If it's unconscious, that's one thing. But once you're conscious of it, like then it's such a, and that's again, that's where for me, the big thing with anger is um, anger can control you. You can let it control you if because it's just such a strong emotion. Uh, but getting to that place where I can choose to give in to this anger or not, like that's, you know, I'm controlling my anger. It's not controlling me. Right. Yeah. Speaking about parents and about our like relationship to them. Yeah. You know, Erner finds that her mom is being too hard on her. That's the that's the thought here. You know, and that's what she has to overcome or what she's trying to overcome in this holodeck program. Um. I, I've never been in a position where I've worked with one of my parents. Hmm. I just, I, I feel like that would be a really bad idea. Interesting. You know, and I, I love my parents. They're great, but you know, that it's good to have some distance hmm. there, you know? Yeah. I, now you're, you are possibly moving back to Orange County where you grew up, where your mom still lives. Uh, you'll be a lot closer to her. Yep. Is that something that you're looking forward to? Is it something that you've given any thought to? Um, well, the one thing like that pops into my head is that, like you said, never having worked with your family, 
Um, on, on one side, I mean, even we were talking about like family vacations. I would say family vacations are working with your family because you're all working together to, I mean, I, I'm assuming, I don't know how your family vacations went, but I know like, you know, especially as I got older, I would help my dad set up the tent and my sister would help set up this and set up, so there is some level of working together. Now it's not as peers at that point, like we didn't do family vacations when I was in like my thirties or forties. Um, so that would be a little bit different. Um, but I do think about doing, you know, even like household projects or, or something like that. Like, I don't know if you've done like, you know, obviously you've done a lot of work with your house. I don't know if your uh, uh, parents have helped. I know certainly your parents-in-law have helped. Like we put in that floor with your father-in-law. Yep. Uh, and uh -huh. so there's some level of that. And, and, and you, you even talked about like some of the family dynamics that were a challenge with that as well. Um, and even, you know, like, uh, especially when, uh, um, like paying family to do a job, that's really tough. Like my uncle just helped my mom, uh, uh put in a new, uh, kit or, uh, bathroom and, um, oh, she, I'm sorry. well, no, he loved it apparently. And she, he was like, it was a great deal. He did it for like nothing. And it's just kind of like, well, that's kind of, I don't know. That can definitely get weird. Right. If it's like, right. you know, uh, especially if he was a professional, uh, bathroom installer or whatever right so i think there is potential uh, but i think you know i've talked to a lot of people like uh, two of our regulars at Domino's, uh they're plumbers a father and son plumber team uh and that's you know they've clearly figured out how to make it work uh our obgyn for our daughter's birth uh was a, a father uh da father daughter combo uh the, that i think the and i think the daughter was actually the 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 lead and the dad was like the assistant or whatever and um so apparently they made it work. So like, I think it, somewhat of it depends on, yeah, family dynamics, I think. Uh -huh. um, for me, uh, like moving back into the area, uh, I don't think will be that, uh, it, it won't be that dramatic a change, I would think. Um, like I went through a season when I was living in Orange County back before I got married, uh, where I would... Uh, come over to my mom's house every Sunday afternoon after church. I would go to my mom's house and then like hang out and have dinner, usually do laundry, stuff like that. Um, so I could see that becoming a reality. Like maybe we visit and you know, we go to my, my, my mom's house once a week. Uh, but that's still different than like a full on kind of like relationship or like, uh, um, uh, I don't know, co working relationship sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, so just kind of, yeah, those dynamics you are different. Yourself, you know, with your sibling and your mom, do you find yourself slipping into the same role that you had when you were a kid growing up there? Yeah, I don't know. that. that I mean, especially because I lived with my mom as an adult in two different seasons. So I feel like that dynamic kind of got established where it was okay. I was moderately independent. Hmm. Interesting. I, I've been on vacation with uh, with both sides of the family mm -hmm. um, this summer, and I, I, it's got me thinking about like revisiting old roles. You know, they feel like sometimes they feel like these these trails through mm. the wilderness that you've traveled over so many times that it's like the clear path. You know, the clear path for every for each person to take, you know, they have their clear paths here with uh, my wife's family. 
you know, that she she does slip into that her role that she's always had there, which is, you know, the responsible one. The mm. I mean, she's responsible with us, too. But, you sure. know, like the one taking care of her younger sister, even though her younger sister is like a, you know, full on adult now. Right, right. <laughs> and um, her younger sister, too, slips back into that younger sister role. Right. As well. And with my family, I have two younger brothers and I feel that too now the dynamic is a little bit different I think because my middle brother um he doesn't have you know he's not married isn't he doesn't have any kids mm -hmm. or anything so I think that me and my youngest brother you know take some extra care for him okay to make sure he's doing all right and to um you know yeah just take care of him a little bit more yeah um, but we do end up, you know, I do end up like telling people what to do and mm. trying to make sure that everything is cohesive for the family. Um, my parents, I think also kind of go into their roles of, you know, um, being the, the, the figureheads of the family, right? you know, but also as they did when we were growing up carving out a lot of time for themselves as well. Hmm. Um, it's, it's interesting. And it's interesting to see in our children too, because my brother has two, uh, he has two boys and they, they're, um, they're both 18 months apart from my son. So my son is right in the middle. His older cousin is 18 months older. His younger cousin's 18 months younger. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to see how they how they interact, especially after spending a long time together, you know, a couple weeks together, and they kind of get into a groove, yeah. you know, where the novelty has worn off. Mm -hmm. And right. now they're, you know, now they're just, they're, they're, I mean, they're living kind of like siblings. Yeah. And, um, it, it kind of does feel like my son kind of goes into a middle child hmm. uh, kind of mode. Yeah. Is where a lot of attention is paid on the older one because, you know, he's older and he's going through things and stuff. And then the younger one needs a lot of help. And my son's kind of just, you know, in the middle. Hmm. And he goes with the older one for, for a time and then he goes with the younger one for a time and... And then sometimes he just plays by himself a lot, you know? Um, yeah, it, it's it's interesting how those dynamics come back when you yeah. spend a lot of time with your family. Yeah. Yeah, I guess for me, like, the closest thing is um, almost like the, the challenge to shift those dynamics, maybe? Because I know like, that's something that I've reflected on is just kind of like, uh, I don't know that I have the relationship with my family that I would like, uh, especially as they're, you know, my parents are getting older and, you know, heaven forbid, you know, that, that, that they're gone someday. Uh, well, they will be gone someday, but hopefully not anytime soon. But it just like, you know, what regrets would I have about the relation, the nature of the relationship that we have? Uh, and it's really difficult to change after 40 years, you know, like, hey, let's, let's, you know, uh shift the nature of our relationship into something you know whatever when you know you've built these family dynamics and stuff like that um, right yeah again that's uh 
there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, not baggage, but it's just it's it's very entrenched, right? Uh, just yeah. The 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 nature, even you know, I might even go so far as like the the family culture, I guess. Um, yeah. That has been that has been developed over those years, uh, either either consciously or unconsciously, is uh, yeah, uh, is uh, is powerful. Knowing you, I feel like you would want to have like a sit down conversation with your family to discuss the dynamics and sure what, well, you, what you look for for change. Yeah, I remember, and I told this to uh, uh, Judy's uh, old youth pastor, who's the the priest that or priest the pastor that married us. Um, he, uh, I had said to my mom at one point, especially as I was a new Christian and I was kind of exploring that whole new side of my, you know, spirituality and stuff like that. Uh, and I asked my mom, if we were not related, would we be friends? And her answer was no. And I've ever since, I don't think she was wrong, but I think that was like, dang, that's, that's it right there. Like we... You know, that's the nature of our relationship is that we are in relationship because of our uh, biological connection. And that's right. so we have not found any reason to develop a relationship beyond that. Uh, and that's uh, that's probably not all that uh, unique. But for me, I know that's kind of been like, a, you know, something I would like to change, but uh, that doesn't change easily. So. So I have a hunch that uh, this uh, is not uh, or is, is a recurring theme throughout Lower Decks, so we might be able to dip back into this at our next episode. So uh, we will explore that some more next episode, my friends. So uh, please come and join us for that. In the meantime, as always, uh, dip into the archives. Uh, again, we did a family episode last season, uh, uh, and then even, what, two episodes ago, right? We were talking about Picard and family, and so uh, yes. if somehow you missed two episodes ago, you can listen to that one uh, if you enjoyed uh, this conversation as well. Um, yeah, but in the meantime, come and join us for our next episode, my friends. We look forward to talking some more about some more stuff. Um <laughs> <laughs> that's what we do as we as we do as we are want to do we are here every other week we are here talking about stuff about stuff that's what we that's should put in the that's our okay. tagline talking about stuff yes my friends so anywho for this episode my friends we will bid you a fond farewell as we say live long and prosper peace and long life